You're listening to the Sunday podcast from LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. All right, while the ushers are receiving the offering, I just want to introduce to you a man who became a friend of mine three years ago. And we've stayed in touch since then through Facebook and continue to help out with the ministry that he's had down in Gells Point. And so would you join me in welcoming up Kenny Welch, Pastor Kenny Welch from Gells Point. This is him in the flesh. After many years of trying to get to the state, God has opened the doorway and he is here with his wife and a few of the friends who came up with them. And they're here for about three weeks and, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, about three weeks. Sweet. Um, so Pastor Kenny has been preaching and loving, well, he's been loving the people in Gales Point his whole life, but he's been preaching and caring for them as their pastor for the last nine years. And he, uh, so he grew up in Gales Point and then went and got a four-year degree in Belmapan in marine biology and then could have gone anywhere, could have done anything, could have made lots of skrilla, scratch, moolah. Cash money. Cash money. Cash money. And God said, Kenny, would you go back to Belize and be a pastor to these people? And he spent the last nine years doing that. And just uh, this last month, well, a while ago, God called him out, but he just moved his family to Belize City as God's called him to a pastor a church there. He sought a lot of counsel on it before he made the move. Am I really supposed to leave? But he's raised up uh, incredible disciples there in Gales Point and currently preaches in the morning in Belize City and then drives an hour and a half and preaches at Gales Point in the evening. And he's just got a servant's heart. He's a man of God, and we're blessed to have him here with us this morning. So, Pastor Kenny, the stage is yours. Good morning. Um, so, I'm going to start speaking, but if you don't understand what I'm saying, please raise your hands. <laughs> Let, let's see how many honest people we have. All right, so I call for Belize, right? And is that a hand? <laughs> All right. And where part I call from, they're like one of the most craziest part of Belize. You know, people have like little to no respect for this place. But worse than that, everybody afraid to go there because no hands. Like, are you guys, like, really understanding everything I'm saying? <laughs> All right, two honest people. I mean, apart from, like, Nathan and Chad and Dan and everybody's hand should be up. Because I'm pretty sure you guys got none of that. <laughs> anyway, so I'm from Belize. I'm blessed to be here this morning. Um, honored to be speaking to you guys. Uh, this morning we're going to be looking at a section of scripture from First Peter chapter 1. But before we get into that, I'd just like to say that Gales Point, the, the village that I'm from, is a village that doesn't really have a lot of hope. You know, this morning we're going to be talking about the living hope that God has placed inside of us. But where I come from, it's not a place that has a lot of hope. You know, so much so that we sort of develop the worst reputation in the entire country. You know, if, if I would walk up to someone and, say I'm, and tell them I'm from Gales Point, I would probably have to ask them to not freak out, you know, because we are considered to be crazy people, so to speak. 
Um, but there was this one instant, I, I was in the city, and I was with my brother-in-law, and I was driving the van, and he asked me, let's go on the south side so I can get my son. And I said, dude, I really don't want to go on the south side of the city right now. You know, but anyway, he wanted to see his son, so we went on the south side, and then we came up to this police checkpoint. And the officer stopped us. He asked to see my driver's license. I gave it to him. He keeps reciting my name, reciting my name, because I have some relatives who are gang-affiliated, and we carry the same surname. So then he asked me if I'm still living at my Belize City address, and I said, no. I'm actually living in Gales Point, and he was like, pull this car over right now. <laughs> and I was like, what's up? He's like, don't worry, this is just routine. I'm like, seriously? He's like, but pull this car over right now. And then he just went ahead and searched the entire van, you know, from top to bottom. And he was like, okay, you guys could go. But that's just some of the stuff that people from Gales Point go through. You know, you come up to a law enforcement officer, they automatically thinks you're bad, you're carrying drugs, or something like that. So for the people, there, there is not a lot of hope to even get out or, or to make something of yourself. You know, school isn't that great. You have to take a bus every day if you want to go to high school. You have to move if you want to go to college and all that. So for me personally, coming from Gales Point and being able to just push through all that is against people from Gales Point, it had to be this living hope that God has instilled inside of each and every one of us. And that's what we'll be talking about this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 7 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercies. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for your salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than that of gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter begins by saying, we thank God for the work that he's doing in us, for working in us, for producing in us this living hope. He says that God himself caused us to be born again into this living hope. Hope which is the absolute expectation of coming good. And I think that as time goes by, even in society today, we kind of forget what the deep meaning of this word hope is. We use it every day. We use it all the time. But it carries no substance in our life. It carries no real weight. You know, for example, here in the desert, people might wake up and say it's hot, especially in the summer when you get, you know, 115 or what. And you would hope that it rains. But still, in all that hoping that it rains, you walk out the door, you get in your car, and you go. 
If you really, really hope that it would rain, you would walk outside with an umbrella. As crazy as it sounds, because hope is the absolute expectation of coming good. And if I would say, I hope it rains, I would have my umbrella ready because when it, it's going to rain, that, that, is, that is my hope that this rain is coming and I will be prepared for it. And Peter is saying to us, that is what God has birthed inside of us. This living hope. It's not a dead hope, it's hope that is alive. So this means that when people look at our lives, they should be able to see us living like we have a living hope inside of us. Right? They should be able to see that when they look at our lives. Main reason being because the very person that brought us this living hope is alive. Our Savior is not dead. He's alive. The hope that he gives to us is alive. And the hope is in something that we should all be looking forward to. The key to you and I putting this living hope on display is for us to always be looking ahead and not looking behind. This is how Paul says it in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what Paul is saying here is that I'm not too concerned, I'm not even worried about the things that happened in the past. And we know that Paul had some bad runnings, he had bad experiences, Things that he could have sit down and thought about and crippled him for the rest of his life. But he's saying, I'm not worried about that. I'm not even concerned about the present circumstances right now. I'm sitting in a prison writing to people who might not even read my letter, but I'm not worried about that. But there is one thing that I am doing right now. I am looking forward. I am looking ahead towards that upward call that God has put on my life in Christ Jesus. And that is the key for you and I to live out and put on display this living hope that God has placed inside us. Apart from looking ahead at what God has for us, we're going to get carried away. We're going to be sucked into life. Things won't even make sense. But this is what needs to be done, right? How do we measure up against this? How do we look at, look at what Peter is saying this morning, that God has birthed within us a living hope? How do we look at what Paul says, that I'm not worried about the things that are behind me. I'm not worried about the circumstances that surround me. I am looking forward to the upward call. The problem that we face today is that there is two kinds of hope that is always laid out before you and I. And the sad reality is that we always choose the one that is not best for us. It may, may appear to be the best. It may look pretty on the outside. But down the long haul, it leaves us empty. Right? This first hope that is laid out before you and I is called the false hope. It is hope in the treasures of this world. It is hope that we place in power and possession and prosperity. Now, these things are not bad. 
power and possessions and prosperity are not bad. But what makes them bad is when you and I take them and put them in the place that God belongs. It's when you and I take these things and put them before God. We hold them up as the utmost important things in our lives. And that produces a false hope. Right? This is what it could look like in our lives. We, we, we go to school and then we graduate from college at the age of 22. We work our entire life until we retire. You know, you work from 22 to, to 65, and now it has to be 66. Uh, Nathan just pointed that out to me this morning. So for those of you who are 64 and you're thinking, I got one more year left, jokes on you, you got two more years left, <laughs> right? So you just work your entire life, and all this while you're, you're just stacking up. You know, you're putting money in your retirement. You're, you're hoping to get a huge social security check. You buy a house in Belize because you want to come and see me every now and then. And, and, and these are the things you're stacking up to. So now when you retire at 66, just before you leave to go live in the Caribbean, you decide to go into the doctor for one last checkup to make sure everything is right. And when you get there, you find out that it's not that good. You're diagnosed with stage four cancer. You only have one month left to live. That check that you was expecting, you might not even get it because you might die before it comes. Stress kicks in, anxiety, you can't deal with the news. You passed away in two weeks' time. All that was for nothing. But that is what so much people go after these days. It is a hope in the things that are for the here and now. If I can only, only work this much for so long, then I would be able to enjoy 16 years of retirement before I'm 90. Or I'd be able to enjoy the next 20 years living, living in, in the tropical weather. And a lot of people go after that. This is, what, this is what Matthew Henry said in his commentary. He said that the ears... To an earthly estate has no assurance that he shall live to enjoy it. Those of us who are just putting up things for the here and now, just for here on earth, we have absolutely no assurance that we are going to live to enjoy those things. And if that is where our treasure is, if that is the inheritance that we are looking to, then we might end up empty. We might get the, the bitter end of the stick, as we say in my culture. Because for as much time as you spend preparing for it, you might not even have one day to enjoy it. And it happens a lot of time. <coughs> the sec this, this brings us into our, our second hope. Matthew Henry says, the, the heirs to an early estate has no assurance that he shall live to enjoy it, but... The ears of heaven shall certainly be taken safely to the possession of it. Which brings us to the eternal hope. There's a false hope that people tend to chase in the here and now. But there's also an eternal hope. Our inheritance that is laid up for us by God himself. By God himself. It is not only that God is keeping for you and I an inheritance, but God is also keeping us. Peter tells us that God is, is guarding us. 
into this inheritance. He's not only keeping it for us, but he's keeping us for the inheritance. So it's a win-win situation for this eternal inheritance that God has placed there before you and I. The thing that we should keep our focus on, that we should be looking towards, as Paul says, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Not the earthly stuff that we waste time on, but this inheritance that God has placed before us. It's always a win-win situation. God is keeping it for you and I, and he's keeping you and I so that we receive that inheritance. The fact that these two things are going hand in hand, that God is keeping something and he's keeping us for it, tells us that there is two things that is always going to be present. There's always going to be danger, which comes in the forms of trials and, and struggles and suffering, but there will also be deliverance because God himself is keeping us. So for as much as we're going to go through pain and suffering and trials, we know that we will be delivered from those things because the one who has stored up an inheritance for us is keeping us so that we can get safely into that inheritance in heaven. Right? So heaven is without a doubt the inheritance of all the children of God. Paul tells us this in Romans that if we are children of God, then we are also heirs to the kingdom of God. Right? So God might give gifts to everyone. You know, we all have special talents, special abilities that, that are, we consider them to be God-given talents and abilities. But when it comes to the inheritance, when it comes to heaven itself, it is only the children of God that is going to receive it. It is only the children of God that is going to receive it. Here is, here is an analogy to help you understand this. So, you have your kids, your grandkids, because there are some older folks in here. Let's, there are some wiser folks in here. You're not old, you're wise. Let's, yeah, I'll correct that. I don't want to be yelled at. So you have your kids or your grandkids, right? And, and there are some other kids in the neighborhood. They, they came over because they wanted to play. So now you're getting ready to dish out ice cream for your kids or grandkids. But there's 20 other kids there. More than likely you're going to give all the kids ice cream. All of them. Your, your kids and grandkids and the other kids who came over to play. Main reason being, you don't want them to feel bad. You don't want them to feel left out. You know, you don't want them to just sit there and drool over the ice cream that the kids are eating. But on the other hand, if you are getting ready to write your last will and testimony, and there's 20 other kids in the room that is from your neighborhood, not one of those kids' names are going to go on that list. You know that for a fact. They, I mean, you don't, they don't have nothing to do with you. They can go home, go find their own parents. You're not going to put them on there. That is going to be for, for your kids. And it's the same thing with the inheritance that God has placed up for us. It's going to be for his children. He's not going to just rally up everybody. Hey, come in, kids from the neighborhood. Come get a part of this. But Paul is telling us, Peter is telling us that this living hope that God has placed inside of us. We need to put that on display. And we do that by, by looking towards it, by striving for it. Not by putting our focus in anything else, in things of this world that are, that are just temporary and are and going to be passed away. We need to be looking at the things 
that are eternal, right? So this is how we defend this, this living hope that we have, that, that, that God has placed inside you and I. We defend it by displaying complete joy towards this living hope. See, sometimes we live our life just walking around like zombies. Yes, I'm a Christian. I'm not happy. I'm going to heaven one day, blah, blah, blah. Like, we have no joy about that. Like, like that's not a good thing. Like, it's not better than what this life has to offer. We, we defend this hope. We put this hope on display by showing nothing but joy towards this hope that God has placed inside our heart. So that when you do retire at 66 and you do walk into the office and the doctor says, you're going to die, you just raise your hand and you just walk out the door. And the doctor is going to say, something's wrong with that person. I just said they're going to die. But for you and I, that is good news. We get to receive, we get to walk straight into the inheritance that God has stored up for us. Death is not going to be some tragedy that, that cuts off our dreams and all our plans that we had to go live in the Caribbean. Death is something that says, who am I come into glory? I am now going to receive this inheritance that God has laid up for me. Not concerned about anything else. Right? So, <coughs> sorry, my bad, Nathan. <coughs> When most of the people that, that Peter was writing to in this epistle were, were Jewish people. They were poor and, and persecuted people. But the hardest thing for those people would have been to lose an inheritance. That would have been the hardest thing for them, especially if it was an inheritance of land. We know God gave the Jews the land of Canaan, and, and if that was supposed to be taken away from them, if they were supposed to lose that, then they would view that as they would consider it to be sore judgment of God. So that would be hard for them. And, and what Peter is telling them, the encouragement that he is giving to them, the encouragement that he is giving to you and I, is that he's saying, yes, you will lose stuff here on earth. You will lose your earthly possessions. But we need to understand that first, we are now new people in Christ Jesus. Not only that, we also need to understand that God himself has laid up an inheritance for us. So although we might lose the earthly one, that is nothing. God has laid up an inheritance for you and I in heaven. And this is far better than anything we can have here on earth. Far better than anything we can enjoy here on earth. Right? Amen. And it is also far better than anything that we will lose here on earth. If our supreme treasure is in the things of this world, if our supreme treasure is our very own life, then our world is going to crumble when things are taken away from us. Our world is going to crumble when we get news about being sick and approaching death. But on the other hand, if, if we really treasure what God has placed before us, what he has placed inside us, if Jesus is our supreme treasure and being in heaven and living with him forever is all that we desire, then nothing is going to shake us here on earth. 
No news is going to shake you and I. No, no stripping away of our inheritance that are earthly is going to make us sit in a corner and cry. Right? So how are we going to handle the, the trials and, and suffering and other stuff that comes our way for this short time? What do we have to hold on to that is going to keep you and I going? What, what, what is it that we have that will keep us when life feels unbearable and we feel like there is no way to go and nothing we can do about it? It is only this living hope that God has birthed inside of us that can make that possible. It is only by looking forward, saying, you know what? Things are a mess right now around me. I just came out of a past that I couldn't deal with. But there is one thing that is still ahead of me. And that is this living hope that I'm going to enter into my inheritance in heaven when I pass away. And that is what is going to keep us going. If you know the story, there's a hymn writer called Horatio Spafford. And, and this guy... He was getting ready to go on vacation to Europe with, with his family. And he got tied up in some other business, so he couldn't take the same ship that they were taking as they were sailing across the ocean to go to Europe. So he sent his wife and four daughters ahead. And the ship got hit, and it sunk. All four girls drowned right there. His wife was found unconscious, just floating on a piece of wood or something, and she was taken, and he got the news. They literally say that, that when his wife wrote the letter, she wrote, only one left, right? All four girls are gone. So he got on the next ship, and as he was sailing across the ocean, as, as they got to the very spot where that ship sunk and he lost his four girls, he went inside his room and he pended the hymn, it is well with my soul. Now, I wouldn't be able to do that unless there was crazy grace and mercy from God. He just lost all four girls right there. But he had something that he could hold on to. He had something that would push him through, no matter the situation or circumstances, no matter how dull life seemed at the moment, there was something that he could hold on to, and it was this living hope that God will bring him into that inheritance that God has stored up. So he could sit down and pen, when, when peace like a river attended my soul, when sorrow like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, it, it doesn't matter if it's death, if it's sickness, the hardship, the trial, whatever it is, God has taught me to say that it is well with my soul. Will that be us? Will we be a people like that, that is able to just look at the situation and say, you know what, there is still something above, beyond the situation, that as, as God has placed an inheritance there for me to, to go to heaven and enjoy him and Jesus Christ forever, God is also keeping me for that. For as much danger as it is that's going to come my way and in my life, God is going to deliver me from that. Will we be a people that hold on to this hope, this living hope that God has placed inside us? That says, look forward. 
to the things that are eternal, to the inheritance that is prepared for you. And don't get sidetracked by all that is going on, by your circumstances or your, or your situation. I pray that God would just, would just birth a, a new desire for, for you and I this morning, that we would just hold on to this living hope that he has placed within our heart, that we would be people that look ahead and are not too concerned with the past or with the present situation, that it won't face us any at all, but that the hope that God has given us, the hope that we can look forward to eternity with him would be what helps us to push through every bad situation, every great trial, and every suffering that we go through in this life. Will that be us? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you this morning for your words, Lord. Father, we ask that your spirit would just come in and, and revive our hearts, Father, that we would be given a deeper desire, Lord, to just put on display this living hope that you have placed inside of us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus who made all this possible. And we just ask that as we leave here today, Lord, that our focus would be on you and on eternal things, Lord. Father, that we would not give in to the false hope that we would not give in to the situation or circumstances around us, Lord, but that we would keep our eyes on Jesus, that we would keep our focus on you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word that gives us guidance. It gives us wisdom, Lord, and it helps us to navigate through this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Kenny went easy on you. <laughs> you wait, come here. Come here. You, you, you went easy on him with your speaking in Creole there because you, you, you still went slow. You see, he speaks slow so you can understand him. And he speaks deliberate and it's really clear. And that's all I heard you speak for the first few days. And then I caught you like with Shannon and a couple of the other guys from the village. And I, I turned to Jason Backus from the other church we were down there with and I said, what language are they speaking? And he goes, English. They're just speaking English. But they just speak really fast. And so even when you, you were starting to speak a little bit more, there, you were still really slow for us. And so I'm just saying if at any point here you want to speak like how you would normally speak, you just go for it. Like, what have you done since you've been here in Arizona? But tell me as if you'd tell Laurel. In a Creole. Yeah. Well... I'm putting him on the spot. I didn't do this the other services. All right. Bye. We do a lot of things since we reach here. You know, I'm in the plane ride me long because I'm like five hours for Belize to LA. And then we had to wait in at the lobby. We buy like a really <laughs> expensive sandwich. <laughs> See what I mean? That, good luck understanding that. I, I, I think you went to Milan at some point. To where? What? <laughs> See? Thank you. Thank you. He went easy on you. That's really what it is. Man, I love his heart. I love your heart, and I love the call God has on you. Uh, we're going to take communion here, and I just want to say this. As we take communion, uh, we, we take an open communion, which means it doesn't matter what denomination you are. 
If you love Jesus and you believe he died on the cross for your sins and you've repented uh, of your sins to him, we invite you to partake of the communion. The bread is the body, the juice is the blood of Christ. And Christ called us there on the night he was betrayed uh, that we would partake of it whenever we are gathered together, that we would remember him. That we would remember him. You see, uh, Pastor Kenny stopped at verse 7 in 1 Peter. He stopped at verse 7, but as he spoke and he used that illustration of the rain. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the desert. I'm born and raised here in Arizona. And I can tell you, after 35 years of being here, there's not a lot of hope it will rain. I don't care if the meteorologist says it's a 90% or 100% chance. What do we do, Phoenicians? We say, I'll believe it when I see it. Right? And then you get the days you walk out and it says sunshine, the little picture on your app just shows a smiling sun, and then three hours later, there's like tornado winds, dust, and then just a downpour of rain. And you're like, thanks a lot. I have no hope in any of it. But when he said that you actually have a living hope, a hope so alive that you would grab your umbrella because you have a hope that it will rain. First thought was, I don't even own an umbrella, right? I had to first of all say, I have to go buy one now. But look at verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him right now, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy. It is an inexpressible joy and it is filled with glory. It is filled with glory. So I want to do something here and it's off and it doesn't fit into our culture. This would fit down in the church in Gell's Point. But for heaven's sakes, you'll cheer at the Super Bowl. If I say America, some of you will cheer. But right now, Pastor Kenny just said, you and I are filled with a living hope and an inheritance that cannot be taken away from you. And gosh darn it, that should fill us with an inexpressible joy. So would you shout with me? Would you say thank you, Lord, with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Where's the, where's the shy? I see Lindsay. You aren't even shouting, Lindsay. What if Justin Bieber was up here? You'd be all over it. Huh? One Direction. What are you laughing at, Jocelyn? Harry Styles right here. Woo! Come on. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We pray a blessing over this communion, Lord Jesus. We fill our lives with you, Lord God. We put our hope on the upward call of you, Lord Jesus. And as we partake of your communion right now, as we partake of the body and the blood of Christ, that we would remember the gift given to us in his life. And would it fill us with inexpressible joy? And God's people said, Amen.